Okay. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. It's great to be back. We were in um, uh, North Carolina last week celebrating the marriage of Mark and Beth's son, Jacob Scheller. It was an awesome time. And it's good to be back. Yeah, yeah woo! Good job, Jacob. You did it, buddy. Um, I'm glad you're here. Glad to be here. So I don't know if you know this already, but I'm a bit of a robot. I, um, I don't always understand humans. And what they're doing and why they do it. Um, so I've observed us, and I've tried to learn and figure us out a little bit. And I found that there are a, a variety of philosophies and ideas out there about what makes us human and why we do what we do. And I find that the most satisfying answers come from Jesus through the Bible. And from Genesis to, Genesis to Revelation, there's, a, there's real brilliance to the explanation of who we are. And this really ties into our third core value, which we're beginning to talk about today, which is knowing our greatness. Uh, Let me read you the definition of this value. First slide. So, knowing our greatness, we thrive as we serve with God by ministering in our own, in our unique and personal way to the world around us with excellence, believing there is no spectator Christianity and that inherent in every person is great value and destiny. So that last sentence is key for me, inherent in every person is great value and destiny. That's the crux of knowing our greatness. There are no unimportant or small people. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at our identity in the kingdom of God. Today, we're we're just going to look simply at what it means to be made in God's image. That's where we're going today. That's our starting point, because it's the Bible's starting point. So if you have your Bibles, you can grab those. You can open them up to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, 27, and 28. This is just packed with amazing foundational truth uh, for kingdom identity. So it's in the middle of the creation story. God has finished creating all this stuff. At the end of every day, God says it is good. It is good. And then on the sixth day, it tells us this. Next slide. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth. And the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. So central to what we just read is this huge truth that is unique to human beings. And that is that we are made in the image of God. That's all we want to grasp today. And then we're going to ask the question, what does it mean for our lives that we're made in the image of God? Augustine wrote this. He said, humans were created in the image of God. True freedom then is not found in moving away from that image, but only in living it out. So, what does it mean to live out the image of God? Does the, the wrong we do corrupt that image? Can we lose that image? Does, do some people have the image and, and not others? How does that work itself out? Primarily, what does it mean to be made in the image of God, and then what are the implications of that? There's been a kind of a variety of responses in this, in, in, to this in different Christian sects and movements and theological schools. Uh, I mean, Mormons say that it comes right down to just having a body. So because God had a body at one point, so 
we've been made in the image of, which means physically we're like God. He's just bigger, I guess. Um, the early church leaders, especially in the medieval movement, said that it's intelligence. We have intelligence, and that's what it means to be made in the image of God. And of course, you get a bunch of educated men hanging around in a room together long enough, they're going to say being made in the image of God means you're intelligent. Sure. But what does that say to those people who don't have an education or who are just not intelligent? Does that mean they're less made in the image of God? The Protestant reformers rejected that idea of the image of God, and they replaced it, though, with something I think is kind of equally as misleading. They had what they called a relational understanding of the image of God, which for them meant as we are in right relationship with God, we are made in God's image. In other words, they would say that the image of God in us is more like a mirror than a picture. So a picture, it's always representing the image of God. But a mirror only reflects the image of God when you're standing right in front of it. So when you're in right relationship with it. That is to say that their thought was that we lose the image of God when we move away from God. This allowed Calvin and the Reformers to start the question of human identity with our identity as sinners, as those who are totally depraved. And our critique of this approach is that it starts the Bible as though the Bible begins at Genesis chapter 3 and skips 1 and 2. The other problem with that is the Bible, in at least a few places, refers to all people at all times reflecting the image of God, no matter what. A couple examples are Genesis 9-6 in the Old Testament, and James 3-9 in the New Testament. Now, liberal theologians came along and said that, you know, the reformers are wrong, but they kind of swung the pendulum the other direction. Said, you're all just glorious, wonderful people, image bearers of God, period, and you're just perfect, you're wonderful. And that's also off balance in the other direction. The Bible starts by saying who we fundamentally are, image bearers of God, no matter what. That's what we're focused on today. But then it moves on to talk about what it means to be corrupted in that, what it means to be broken, and still retain the image of God in us. That's what so much of the Bible is about. How do we live as sinful image bearers of God in the world? So let's look at that. How do we live as image bearers of God? We have four R's today. Okay, so first... Of all, we're called to reproduce. We read that earlier. That we're made in, image of, in God's image, and it says, go and be fruitful and multiply. So that means, sure, go ahead and make little baby image bears of God. Sure. That is a blessing. But something to keep in mind here, male and female, both made in the image of God, yes, but also male and female who don't have to be, mar- to, to be married, who are not in a position to reproduce, are also said to be made in the image of God. We know that because in the New Testament, Jesus Jesus encourages singleness. And the Apostle Paul encourages it in in Corinthians chapter 7. In fact, he says, Paul says, be like me, single, so that you can accomplish a whole lot more. And then just to sum it all up, he has this great line in the middle of 1 Corinthians 7 where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, listen, if you want to get married, I can tell you this. It's not a sin. That's his great marriage encouragement, <laughs> which is the same thing I'm going to start saying, I think, may, when I do weddings. Just before the couple exchange of vows, I'm going to want to, I just want to encourage you to know that what you're doing today isn't a sin. Be encouraged, beloved. Yeah. <laughs> so singleness is encouraged, and we're image bearers of God as single people as well. So when I see this call to reproduce, it reminds me that we are created to be co-creators. And that means that we have this 
huge potential and ability for creativity. <clears throat> Throughout the rest of Genesis 1 and 2, our creativity is encouraged, whether it's naming animals or taking care of the garden. We are to be people who make new image bearers of God, yes, but also people who demonstrate radical creativity. God is a designer and a creator. And as God's image bearers, we have massive creative potential. But also that gives us the power to be destroyers. So whether it's the Tower of Babel or it's making idols for pagan worship or it's building the temple for worshiping God, creativity becomes this battleground for human humanity. Next, we are called to, second R, rule in this passage, to rule over all creation. And this idea of ruling over is to simply admit that we have the capacity to influence creation in a way that no other species does. No other species has an influence over all the other species the way that we do. No other species has the ability to bring the best or the worst out of this planet the way humans do. So we are ruling over it. We're just ruling either poorly or well. True rulership, especially as Jesus defines it, is the capacity to serve. That's what Jesus would say. And that's what Genesis 1 and 2 says. We are stewards of the world. Creation was created unfinished. God's left us in charge of this place to bring the best out of it. That's what rulership means from a biblical perspective. Being in charge doesn't mean everybody serves you. It means you are now equipped to serve others. Next R. We're called to reveal. We reveal God's character to one another. One of the primary ways we worship God is by how we treat other people. That theme comes up again and again, especially in the teachings of Jesus. That we will honor him in the way we treat other people. And we will learn about him through other people. We are revealing God to each other all the time. And there's something glorious about that. And there's many people who say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to hang out with other people because for me to get close to God, I just need to get out in nature. You know? Yes, good, beautiful. That's God's handiwork, and you'll get closer to God out there. But if you want to get even closer to God, you've got to hang out with people. And just think of, the, think of that feeling that you sometimes get if you're in nature when you, you see that sunset or something just surprises you, and you just have to stop and say, man, wow, look at that. Look at that. We live in a world where this happens. You know, somebody get my camera. We do that. But sometimes I think that we've lost the fact that when another human being walks in the room, our response should be, even greater, at least on the inside. Don't do it on the outside. You'll freak them out. <laughs> Can you imagine if we greeted people at church on Sunday morning with the awe we do a sunset? You know, Hey, wow, look at you. Look at this. It's a human being. Somebody hand me my camera. You know? <laughs> Let's just try a safe experiment right now. I want you to just look around at the other people around you, not just the person who came with you, you know, I want you to turn around and make, make eye contact with people you don't know real quick. I know, it's weird. It'll be over in a couple seconds. As you do this, remind yourself, I'm surrounded by glorious sunsets, by greatness. I'm surrounded by this amazing thing called humanity, which reveals God to me. Next, we're called to relate I think one of the greatest clues of what it means to be made in the image of God is that when God talks about 
making us in him in his image, he grammatically shifts and starts talking about himself in the plural. He knows that. When God said in Genesis 1:26, then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. This is the first spot in the Bible where we start to see the, the Trinity. And in the Trinity, there is community and harmony. And it says we're made in that image. We are made relational beings. In Genesis 2.18, after God has created all the things, he, 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 he backtracks a little bit. And he tells a story of when God made Adam first before he created Eve. And when he made Adam, but no Eve yet, God looks at Adam and says, now this is not good. There's no sin yet. And God still looks at his own handiwork and he says, no, that's not, that's not good. A person outside of relationship, that's not right. You know, you're made relational. You can't help it. You think relationally. You process relationally. When you, when you go to sleep at night, you start dreaming and you make up other characters. Your subconscious is relational. You can't help but be relational. If you're cut off from contact with other people so that you can't relate, you'll start making up people to relate to, just so you don't go crazy. You'll start drawing a picture on a ball and talking to it in order to keep your sanity because you're so wired for relationships. This is the image of God in you. This is who you are. Emil Bruner, the Swiss theologian, wrote this. He says, we cannot be human by ourselves. We cannot be human by ourselves. The Apostle Paul kind of put it this way in 1 John 4, 8. He said, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. The one who does not love does not know God. You can read all the books, listen to all the podcasts, but if you don't work it out in loving relationships, it really doesn't matter. It just makes you a hypocrite who, does, who, who knows a lot of stuff but doesn't live it out. But to create community where people can actually get together and work it out and challenge each other, a culture that says we want to form around this teaching so that we be, then we, we be, can become more loving, then go out into the world and spread it around like salt, seasoning our relationships, like light in a dark world. It's a beautiful way to live. So we come into community to be, become students of love. And we realize when we do that, the relationship is what it's all about. If you're a person who says, I can, I can do this on my own, I can search for spiritual things on my own, I just want to go and meditate, just want to be by myself, I don't need other people, then you're a fish out of water. And here's the thing about a fish out of water. Two things. Number one, still a fish. Number two, not for long. I've seen it over and over again. It's almost impossible to retain healthy relationships with God outside of relationships with other Christ followers. Christianity is unavoidably communal. You bear the image of God, but don't run away from how that was designed to be expressed in community. Also, as those who relate, you should be quick to apologize and forgive. James 3.9 says, With the same tongue we praise God and we curse human beings who are made in the image of God. To disdain, to curse, to say, Get lost. To someone in the image of God, according to James, is bad theology. In The Weight of Glory, the famous sermon by C.S. Lewis, he says this. He says, there are no ordinary people, talking about the image of God, 
You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and it is, in fact, the merriest kind, which exists between people who have, from the outset, outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. Every person who comes across your path, you need to treat with a a sacredness, a respect, a concern for their individuality, a a kindness. We must treat everybody with, with gentleness and grace and with respect. When you think of men and women as anything less than the image of God, you devalue life. Carl Sagan, a a philosophical naturalist, said this. He said, man is a transitional animal. He is not the climax of creation. Eric Fromm said this. The only animal for whom his own existence is a problem, which he has to solve, is man. Maybe you notice the key word that ties those quotations together, and it's the word animal. And that is, for many in the world, what people are, just more animals on the evolutionary continuum. And this actually, this is actually part of the modern moral academic dilemma. That on one hand, we want to celebrate and preserve life, but on the other hand, we're trying to get our science and philosophy to prove there is nothing special about human life. The English English philosopher G.K. Chesterton said it like this. He was talking about the secular academic culture in England, and he said this. As a politician, the secular man will cry out that war is a waste of life. Yet as a philosopher, he admits that all life is a waste of time. A scientist goes to a political meeting where he complains that we're treating native people like beasts, but then in his scientific meeting, he proves that we are beasts. Therefore, the modern skeptic has become useless for purposes of revolution. By rebelling against everything, including God, he has lost his right to rebel against anything. As a naturalist or as a staunch evolutionist that you know that you claim that there's no creator you cannot make the argument that there's really any value to human life but that that goes so against the image of god in us so nobody will say that everyone has a deep sense that we are all valuable we all have greatness in us we don't just function on instinct like animals we are made in the image of god as ethical beings who are capable of choice We have the ability and the desire to seek God and understand him. Like, we have a cat in my house. His name is Soup. (laughs) Soup the cat. Soup the cat is a big, dumb, orange, lovable oaf of an animal. Um, Soup doesn't pray. He doesn't fast unless we forget to feed him. He's a cat. He's not wondering about retirement. He's not trying to keep friendships together. He's not wrestling with such things. He's just not. He doesn't possess the spiritual moral capacity that we hold as image bearers. He doesn't feel shame. He'll yak on the carpet and two minutes later thinks we're best friends again. He's not three days later going, I'm so sorry, I cannot believe I vomited on your carpet. Like I would if I were him. Why? Because he's a cat. Your relationship toward God is different than any other creature's relationship toward God. 
your cat, your dog, your horse. Don't get me started on hamsters and other rodent pets that people have. Goldfish. We've blown through like half an ocean of goldfish by now. Just flushing those things all the time. We are, we are different then. We can make ethical choices. We can choose this day who we're going to serve. That means that forgiveness is what we should seek. When we make a wrong choice, to be a healthy human is to be quick to say, I'm sorry. And quick to say you're forgiven when someone else is messed up. Forgiveness needs to be the thing that is the lifeblood through all of our relationships. We offer it freely and we receive it freely. And because Jesus is God's perfect image in human form, we will get to know our true selves better as we relate to him and get to know Jesus better. Like Jesus gets to show us what God is like, yes, but also he gets to show us what perfect humanity looks like. He gets to show us a perfect human life lived in the love and service to others. And so he becomes our mentor in helping us not only get to know God better, but getting to know ourselves better and getting back to who we were designed to be. So those are the four fours, four R's. To know our greatness, to have to... Have to, um, to know our greatness, we have to understand that we are image bearers of God. And as image bearers of God, we reproduce, rule, reveal, and relate. There's a story in the Bible about how these people come up to Jesus and they ask him a question. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? You probably know this story. Caesar's the enemy, and they're trying to catch Jesus on a couple of things. If Jesus says, yes, of course you should pay taxes, they can catch him on, hey, you're preaching peace, but when you pay taxes to Caesar, you're funding oppression. You're funding war. So, so they'll catch him as being a hypocrite. And secondly, if he says, no, don't pay your taxes, that will rat, you out. That'll rat him out as a traitor to Caesar. And they'll get to get him that way. So Jesus has this beautiful indirect answer. He basically says, pay your taxes. But he uses the answer as a way to launching into a teaching that's deeper and more important. He says, show me a coin. They show him a denarius, and he said, whose image is on this thing? Whose image and likeness is on it? And they say, well, Caesar's. And he says, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, but give to God what is God's. Meaning, Caesar's image is on the coin. Whose image is on you? God's. And he's saying this to everybody there. You all are God's. Not just disciples, not just Christians. These are people who are his enemies. These are people who want to challenge him. These are religious leaders, and they're saying all of he's saying, all of you give to God what's God's. As image bearers of God, we're all infinitely valuable. This is who we are. And as we grasp that love that God gives us, then we can be in a position to begin to offer it to others. Because every human being made in the image of God reflects God. Therefore, there is a rock-solid, objective, irreducible glory and significance and value and worth about you and every human being there is, every one of us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for teaching us clearly through Scripture and ultimately through the, the life and teaching and example of you, Jesus, that we are infinitely loved by you, that we are precious, that we are made in your image. That gives us wonderful responsibility and also a great privilege. And I just pray that we would 
not just bask in the privilege and negate our responsibility, but that we would be people who live out, of, out our purpose in loving relationship. We just invite you to continue to teach us this week as we work out what that means in our lives. It's in your name that we pray. Everybody said, amen. Okay, the ministry team can come forward. If you'd like prayer for any reason, uh, emotional, financial, physical, any reason, come on and get prayed for. They love to pray for you. If not, you're free to go. Have a great day.